All right. Hey, welcome back into Talking Distance. This is a podcast we created to share and spread our passion for all things Indiana distance running. I'm one of your two hosts. I am Jared Turner, head uh, boys and girls, track and field and cross country coach at Yorktown High School. And as always, joined by my friend, Coach Rick Sluter from Columbus North, boys and girls, track and field, cross country head coach. How are you doing today, Coach? Oh, great. I'm at school. This is our teacher work day, so it's getting uh, very real now. It's here, baby. It is here. I know some schools, some, you know, we're, uh, this is uh, August 2nd. Some schools are back in session already. They're not just dealing with teacher work days. It's on. Yeah, it's, um, well, we're, we're, this is our first uh, post season starting uh, podcast season officially started. So that's right. Yeah, we are into it. And I feel like we got a pretty good topic today, coach. I know we've both been thinking about this the last, uh, last day or so. Uh, we're talking 80-20, but we're not talking, you know, the old Matt Fitzgerald book about 80-20 training, <laughs> you know, yep. r- racing faster by uh, training slower. No, it's a different type of 80-20. And, and the genesis of this was kind of with you. So if you want to kind of walk us through uh, what, what kind of 80-20 conversation we'll be having today. Yeah. So so I can't remember the, the, the coach or the program where this exactly came from, but it was a quote uh, specific to running. Um, that most most humans or most runners probably only get 80% out of themselves. And that coach or that program's goal was to live in that other 20. So we only get 80% out of ourselves. Let's live in that other 20. And, um, you know, just you and I thinking about what does that mean and what is that 20%? Um, mm-hmm. Because a lot of programs out there work really hard already. Yeah. Right. They're doing the things that, 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 that they can training wise. Um, there's a lot of coaches out there that know more than you and I do. Absolutely. Um, but, but why are they, why aren't they more consistently successful or Mm -hmm. that coach that we really want to hit with our podcast too? I want to get better. Mm -hmm. Like I want to be better. I want my team to be better. So what can I do? What can I add in? And I would say before we get started, the little disclaimer is you and I were actually looking at programs and and schools and things that maybe we're not doing even. Uh, things that you and I aren't doing with our teams or what are athletes who are even more special than the lucky ones we get to coach. Yeah. Um, so this really is less about you and I telling everyone um, what to go do, you mm-hmm. know, as much as it is, um, Hey, here's what we're hearing and what we're seeing and what we're picking up from other coaches and programs and maybe kind of exploring that with our listener. Yeah. And I know one thing with me is I, I always feel like, uh, you know, there's something more I should be doing. And, it, and it's almost kind of that disease of more, right? I guess we got to be careful here because I always feel like, okay, what, what are other teams doing that we're not? How can we get better? Because we obviously, you know, are still trying to reach, uh, you know, our potential and get better. And, and that striving never really stops. But I do think each of us kind of came up with a few things that we think are, are important and probably part of that other 20% that you know, you did this math, right? If we're talking a little over 400 schools in the uh, state of Indiana, IHSA cross country, uh, then we're kind of going down to, you know, the 70 or 80 mark, uh, thinking about like those those top tier schools and what they're doing that maybe not every school is doing. And, you know, it's kind of hard sometimes to make a differentiation between like, is this is this worth time in our program? Like, is this, is this truly going to be what's best for our athletes and our team? And, and yeah, yeah, I think you're right too. It doesn't always come down to mileage, uh, but uh, that is a conversation, you know, work ethic and, and how much mileage you're doing. Sometimes you feel like you're doing enough, but there's, there's people out there that are in your words and that quotes words living in the other, other 20% and doing more than you are objectively. Uh, yep. And that's always kind of tough as a coach. 
Well, if you look at, I'm sure if we investigated this, there's a, a boy and a girl at the state track meet uh, this past this past spring who got a medal, probably because over those 12 to 18 weeks prior to that, they ran five to 15 more miles a week than somebody else did. Mm-hmm. And that paid off over time. Exactly. Something that, that somebody else, and they got, you know, some boy got there and ran 424, 422. Mm-hmm. And somebody else ran more and ran 416 mm-hmm. and 415 or whatever and got a medal. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't think you, as we start this conversation, you can't ignore that, but that can't be it. That nope, just can't not be everything. it because I got, I got a guy in my team right now who probably won't break our top 15, but he's in our top mileage group. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, he's achieving, but it doesn't make him a 416 miler. Yeah. You know, so. yeah, you're right. I mean, that's something you definitely have to talk about. And that's something we wanted to kind of throw out at the very beginning, just to make that clear. I mean, yeah, there probably is a conversation with mileage and how much mileage you're doing that that is part of this 80-20 conversation and living that other 20%. But yeah, we kind of wanted to focus after that on on some of these other things. So so I'm gonna kind of start off with one of mine. When I started thinking about, you know, what are what are a you know kind of smaller percentage of schools doing out there that maybe some schools aren't doing and and it has made a huge difference. And uh, this kept popping into my mind. Like you don't just have buy-in from your top five or seven you have buy-in from your entire team. And I know your entire team, when I say that, you know, there's some teams out there that are over a hundred kids and there's some kids out here that are struggling or sorry, some teams out there struggling to field an entire team, but it, but it doesn't matter. Like if, if everybody is bought in, that brings your whole program up. And in my thought, you know, if a a team as size as Yorktown is like a middle size school, having that 14th and 15th kid on the team bought in just as much as your top three, if yeah. they're just as much bought in and doing everything they can and, and you know, kind of bleed for the team and, and they're doing everything they can for the team, that makes a huge difference. And uh, also tried this time to think about some teams that I feel like are doing some of these things. And you know what one popped into my mind was Northridge and Northridge popped into my mind because We've attended the same semi-state, that New Haven semi-state has been this, this past, the past several years. Uh, you know, the tournament path has changed and we're not going to see them now. They're kind of more uh, up into the region. But uh, Northridge has huge buy-in from a not-so-huge school. Kids that are not running that day, maybe their 15th runner, maybe their 13th runner, maybe just be, you know, some some friends of some of the kids on the team from the school. And they're making their way around all 5,000 meters of that course and they are cheering on their 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 team, and they they get they're they're all dressed up in uh, you know Northridge gear, and and I just love that. That's buy-in right there. And obviously Northridge is a team that has been successful and is not overly huge. It's not like they have 2,500 kids, but they've had extreme team success consistently throughout the last couple of decades. And uh, I think that's one of the reasons why. Yeah, and you know again. When our listeners or or listener, I don't know, we'll see how many <laughs> we have. But um, when when they're listening to us, you know, yeah, I'm at Columbus North now, but but I went to a school of under 300. Every race that I qualified for beyond our team making it, my whole team went. They all went, you know, and it was fun. And even now thinking back on it, this is weird. Uh, I got a little emotional, right? Mm-hmm. Like I just had to flash back to like a picture that my parents had of my whole team around me. Um, as I qualified for state. And, and so, you know, it was fun. We all hung out together and we all did that and we bonded together. And um, again, I think we had 12 guys as the biggest team I was ever on. Yeah. 
12 guys. But all oh, I would say at least 11 of those 12, if not all 12, cared. Yeah. They were there every day. They went to the semi-state. If I qualified for the semi-state, we hung out together on Saturday nights. We, you know, we we raced our warm-up together. We raced our cool down together. Yeah. Um, you know, we we saw each other at lunch and said hi. And that that's gotta be some of that is creating that buy-in, no matter how big you are. And I would say those teams that that coach out there right now that's saying, I only got seven guys on my team. I got five girls. Mm-hmm. Okay. I I do get that. I re- I actually I lived it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but get all five of them to buy in then. That's it. That's get it. All five of them to buy in. And you know what might happen too? Five turns into seven next year. Mm-hmm. Because they see them walking down the hall together and your mm-hmm. school is tiny and they see them and then they want to come out to so they got Spanish class with them. Or they've got, you know, um, they they ride the bus home with the other freshmen, and yeah. um, they they buy in and they and they see that that's fun and they see that it's um, it's worthwhile. And I think that's mm-hmm. part of it too. Um, and and those coaches that get mad at me for being at a big school, I got to get forty boys, fifty boys to buy in. Yeah, hey, you know, hey, Carl's hey. got to get a hundred. And all the logistics that go behind that, right? Like we we heard Colin uh, Altavo, who coaches at Carmel, talk at the coaching clinic, and and he said like when they go to the state meet, like they they're taking those kids. When they go to their postseason meets, any even like NXR, they're taking those kids. So we're not talking size here. Like just get buy in from as many people as you can in and around your program. Uh, to support it because it's infectious. You're right. Like that's why the five turns into seven. That's why the seven turns into 12. Like you get buy-in from kids and it just kind of feeds itself. So uh, yeah, I mean, there's several teams around the state that that do that and do a great job of it. But uh, I th- feel like you can always do better on that point. So yeah, what's something else? What, what's something that kind of popped into your mind when you're, you're thinking about this coach? Well, I, I think the coach plays the biggest role in this at the beginning. I do because if you can't get them to your team to want to do these things, you're not going to get past 80. You probably only get to 60 right? Yeah. percent of yeah. what everybody else might be doing. Mm-hmm. But I just, I literally, as we're recording it right now, I just got a message from a coach that I was going to talk about. If you mm-hmm. don't believe me, it was already written down on my, on my notes. Um, <laughs> but, but Bloomington South and coach Williams what? just messaged me. He was, he had literally just listened to our last podcast and he was mm-hmm. writing. Thanks for sharing all that. This guy knows as much about distance running as anybody in the state of Indiana. Yeah. He can talk about runners in the seventies all the way through yesterday. He knows training in and out. He knows what, you know, Pavo means. He knows what Lydiard means. He knows what, mm-hmm. like all those pieces. He's still taking his kids to camp. He's still um, doing things to get them to bond together. Mm-hmm. I, I think he, he represents to me that coach that I would want to run for. Yeah. And I think if you're a coach listening to this, that's not even something you and I hit or talked about, but it hit me. Like you want to be that coach where they want to run for you. And then when you, when you create that, now you got them willing to do a morning run. You've got them willing to do eight instead of six reps. Exactly. Or, you know, you've got some girls like, well, you know what? Maybe I don't want to just be, um, I like yeah, this. Not just because cool. cool. I have friends on the team. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't want to just be, um, I don't want to just get go get a job. I want to stay committed to this, some guy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, something you and I talked about transferring into the, being that coach, I think being willing to have some of the tough conversations mm-hmm. with your athletes, um, I, I think that's a big deal. You know, um, uh, maybe an example of that tough conversation is 
just asking a kid, why do you roll your eyes every time I give the hard workout? Mm-hmm. What, what, why? I've noticed it for, for three years. We just talked about things that are infectious. Negative body language is yes. absolutely infectious. And being able to deal with that maybe as a coach is another way that you can get your team past wherever they're stagnant at right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I would suppose if you're listening to this, maybe again, your goals are to be, maybe you're not going to, you're not going to meddle at state. Maybe you're just going to go to state. Maybe you can't go to state, but you want to go to the new regional. Maybe it's not the regional, but you want to be top three in your conference meet. Um, you know, you want to win your County meet or you, or you just have the individual that's really good and you want to inspire them to be better. But I think being able to have those tough conversations, I told a group of kids the other day, and this actually came from two of my girls. If you, if you don't like what you're doing and they use the word hate, Mm -hmm. if you don't like what you're doing, if you hate being out here running, you're going to find an excuse. Mm -hmm. We run too many miles. My coach doesn't care about us. We run too Mm -hmm. fast on easy days. The boys team and the girls team shouldn't be hanging out together. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to find a reason to not like it. And I think as the coach taking that on, um, you know, you and I talked about this. I hate this when coaches say this. Um, my athletes will never do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they won't because you're not going to ask them or you're mm-hmm. not going to phrase it in such a way that they're going to want to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah, these, these are, yeah, these are two topics. I think, I mean, we could talk a lot about because the coaching matters cannot be overstated. And so once again, we went to INCC stats and just went down to 80 because 80 would be 20% of 400. So those top 80 teams, they're obviously doing something right. And right around that 80 mark, here's some of the, the schools I saw on the girls side, Northwestern, Oak Hill, Seeger, Eastbrook, three that are in the small school uh, division of INCC stats. And then Northwestern is the one that's like, it's a medium sized school, but it, it's not medium by much. And I just looked at that. And obviously you and I, we've been around the sport a long time. We don't know all the coaches in the state of Indiana, but we know a lot of them. And I've seen the Northwestern coaches. They are passionate. I mean, they, they're the ones that need a, a Luden's lounge after every single uh, <laughs> meet, because I, I know their throat is hurting and they're, they're losing their voice because they are into it. Oak Hill, Paige Brunner, I mean, you know, we coach in kind of the same area. We cross paths a lot, has been a consistent, excellent coach in this area for a long time. Always kind of uh, threatening at the the old semi-state level and will be again at the regional level. Seeger, I know you have some uh, interactions with uh, with their coach, and we know that he's passionate. Eastbrook, once again, in our area, like these are schools that have passionate coaches. And you know what? Just like us, maybe they don't know everything. Maybe they don't have all the answers. Maybe, you know, they're, they're still learning about things that, that will help training in their programs, but they are passionate and there's something to be said for that. On the boys' side, it's a lot of the same stuff. I went down to 80. I saw, I saw schools like Austin. I saw Batesville. I saw Culver. I saw West Noble. Those are some teams that have some history to them, right? Yeah. And they've and, been good for a long period of time. And the reason we know those coaches is because you and I are involved. Those coaches are all involved. Exactly. They're at clinics. They're on message boards. Um, they're sending emails and asking questions. Um, mm-hmm. They're presenting if they get the opportunity to present at clinics and things like that. Yes. They, they're out there. Um, and let's face it. I mean, I, I, you know, I had a coach tell me once the coach really doesn't matter much in cross country. The heck it doesn't. Mm-hmm. When we got to convince a 13 year old girl and 13 year old boy to go run four and five miles in yeah. 88 degree weather, you're darn right. The coach matters. And those are, those are, excellent coaches you just listed off. And, and I'm thinking some of those coaches they, they worked with or around or l- listened to Larry Williams, 
Charlie yes. Worth and a Bloomington North. Um, th- those kind of names, and, and and you're right, they're they're turning into that. And I don't hear those coaches ever say I can't. The yeah. coach Seeger is you, you, he's so proud of his girls when I see him post or he talks about them. Mm-hmm. Um, he's constantly trying to find out ways. Yeah, he's a small school, and yeah, he's probably strapped for numbers. But but he's finding ways like I can't doesn't come out of his mouth I, I, that exactly. I've ever seen or heard. Yeah. And, and one to your point earlier, these are schools that are ranked around 80th in each of those respective divisions. These are probably not schools that are threatening to go to state this year. They're definitely not teams that are threatening for the podium, but it, it doesn't matter. Like they're building something. They're passionate about it. They're taking yep. steps forward towards progress. And even if they can't compete with the top 10 to 15 schools in the uh, state yet, they're making steps towards it. And I guarantee their, their kids are jacked up about it. And I want to get into something else that you talked about with buying in. I mean, there's something to that too, because we're dealing with kids who are, are, are constantly dealing with that fear of, you know, you know, am I good enough? Am I worth it? Am I, uh, if I completely buy into this, this is something you and I were talking about that we've heard from kids in the past. And I think it's, it's very important to have conversations with these kids that's based around this. If I completely buy in and I fail, that that is soul crushing to me. Like that is devastating to me. So what you get a lot of times is kids who protect themselves and kids who maybe don't give 100%. They give 80% like we're talking about or maybe even 70% because then they got that other 20 or 30% in their back pocket as an excuse. Well, you know, I, this isn't my life. I didn't really buy into this as much as, you know, the first and second runners on the team. So that's why I'm not as good. It's not because there there is real fear there. And I know this resonates with kids that if I completely buy in and I fail, it's devastating. If I don't buy in fully and I fail, I have an excuse and it's easier. Yep. No, you're right. And then the tendency then is to bring some other kids with them so they don't feel alone. Nobody yeah. wants to feel alone. And, and um, you know, that again goes back to maybe as a coach, being able to recognize those kids and try to have a positive conversation with them about it. Exactly. Um, and, and it leads into it too. I, I mean, how many times do we have an influence on a kid and we don't realize it? Mm-hmm. You know, I was having a conversation. I think the Goshen coach is amazing, right? He's turned out both teams and individuals that have been outstanding in the past several years, many years. And um, we were having a conversation maybe at HSR, at the Hoosier State Relays. And we were talking about the upcoming cross-country tournament changes. And and I I believe we he said something to the effect of like, yeah, this might be rough or this might, be, but my kids are never going to hear that. Yeah. Like, I, I hate to share that, with, but he but he meant it in terms of like, we're going to go to work and we're going to do things mm-hmm. and we're going to be positive and we're going to attack it. And I took that from him. Like I, if he yeah. ever listens to this, like I took that from him, I took it back to Columbus and you know, my boys and girls are never going to hear me say anything negative about our future or our potential. Yeah. Or, or even your situation, like yeah. with a big tournament tournament change, like we just had, like there's the potential for a coach to be like, Oh, look at this. We're in such a worse position now. There's no semi state to make it to, you know, that was our, yeah. our pinnacle. There's, there's different ways to phrase it. And you're the right. The state I mean, hates us. The yeah. IHSA doesn't care about us. Well, whether they do or don't, what does that matter? You start practice on Monday. I told yeah. that to a coach once I'm like <laughs> on, on, on July 31st, you're still going to have practice. So which coach are you going to be? Are you going to be the one that comes in and says, let's go do something special this year? Or are you going to be the coach that says the IHSA hates us? Let's just go through the motion. You may not say let's go through the motion, but that's what the kids heard. mm -hmm. Yeah. And and just the, the framing it in a positive 
way. I mean, I think is yeah. really key. So you yeah. brought up a coach. I, I want to bring up a coach too, Coach Bruce Kendall at Mount Vernon. We've been in the same conference for most of my coaching career. He's a longtime coach over there. And he has so many just life lesson conversations with his kids that go well beyond cross country, like I think a lot of coaches do. But but once again, maybe in that 20%, right? And you know, we've we've heard athletes that he's had in the past, like Christian Noble, who's a professional runner now, just talk about those conversations that Coach Kendall has that have nothing to do with running. You know, they're out there in the middle of the course and he's talking through the course, but you know, imparting life lessons that probably have nothing to do with the race they're about to run. But he says, you know, those are some of the the, the memories that he has uh, that meant the most. And uh, and yeah, so uh, Coach Kendall is, is a guy that I've talked to uh, a lot just about some of those finer points of coaching and and how to get kids bought in because, you know, Mount Vernon, once again, great tradition from there as well. Well, you're right. And, and you know, again, I get sensitive about the the school size stuff because I, I think so many people just want to look at it and say, your, your success or your failure is determined on that. And let's be honest, it does help. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Having 2,400 kids helps me over you, mm-hmm. you know, a little bit. And then um, having 5,000 kids helps over even 2,400, over 800, absolutely. over 300. But mm-hmm. by gosh, you can still go out there and be the best coach you can be. Mm-hmm. And and that's how you're going to get those kids. And again, maybe it's just that boy that gets to 17, 11, and then goes and runs at, um, well, I hate it when we mention stuff because I always feel like some coach is going to, but he gets down to 17, 11, and mm-hmm. he goes off to run at Hanover College, mm-hmm. and yep. he gets down to 15, 42, and mm-hmm. has great four additional years of running, meets his forever someone down here at college <laughs> makes makes 12 new friends gets a heck of a degree makes mm-hmm. I, the coach at Hanover the reason I like using him coach at Hanover is awesome yep. he's always recruiting he seems like the most likable guy mm-hmm. um, very genuine very, very genuine and and so he goes down there and because that coach in high school did his or her job so well that kid's whole life got pushed in a further direction because of that mm-hmm and, you know, again, what else do you want to do? If you went in education or you went in a coaching, what else do you want to do? Yeah, that's it. You just it. change that's that kid's whole direction. That's and the you pinnacle. can roll your eyes if you listen to this podcast or maybe just go try it for a week. I mean, look, you, you talk a lot about this, Coach. You you talk a lot about bringing each other up, bringing other teams up. And that I mean, that's what you're doing just by bringing a, a positive attitude uh, to the team every day. And, and we're not just talking coaches here. I mean, athletes, this is – this is you as well. You bring positive energy to a workout. You bring positive energy to every day of practice. You are lifting others around you up. I mean, especially if you're in an influential position, like, uh, you know, one of the faster runners on your team or a coach, like you are bringing others up. And you know what? Like when a school in my area, when a school in your area starts seeing a lot of success and they're doing it the right way, it lifts you up. It may be frustrating because now you got a rival that maybe is edging you out in certain meets, but it brings everybody up. And that's, that's something that's really cool in my mind. So I, I want to bring up another topic. Maybe you got something to add on this coach, but I think maybe something that falls into that 20% and living in that 20% as well is actually talking just race strategy and through races with kids as you get to them. I think all too often, and, and I fall into this as well. I'm sure a lot of coaches out there would, would be able to relate to this. You get to race day and it's kind of like, just go race all the haze in the barn. We've done everything that we can. And maybe from a training perspective, that's true. But from a mental perspective and just being ready to run the 5,000 meters on grass that's in front of you, there's so many things that you can do that that day of the meet or the days leading up to the meet to help a kid from the mental side, uh, to help a kid know what to expect 
from you know maybe a visualization side to know where there are places in the course that maybe you can take advantage of as a team to talk about places in the course that I think are going to get hard. And if kids know they're going to get hard, they can be prepared for it. I think all that's super valuable and maybe not of us, not enough of us coaches do it because um, it takes a little preparation, takes a little extra work, which a lot of these things do. Uh, but I think could really benefit the athletes. I'll give one quick example. Uh, Coach Porras at Zionsville. Uh, he had never went to the the Taylor course before, but the, the Zionsville uh, team came out last year to the Taylor University Invitational and ran it. And he emailed maybe maybe a couple weeks in advance and said, hey, coach, I know you've ran the Taylor course several times. You're up there by that area. Tell me about the course. I want to be able to prepare my kids for it. And I was just like, that is not an email I get very often. You know, that, that another coach reaching out and saying, hey, you know, this meet that we're going to run, I think maybe in, in maybe late August, <laughs> which really means nothing uh, to him. I mean, Zionsville, a team that finished runner up at the, the state meet last year on the boys side, reaching out and saying, hey, there's this meet at the end of August that my kids are going to run. I want to set them up for the best success possible, even if this meet doesn't doesn't mean a whole lot. Tell me about it. Let me prepare my kids for it. That that's awesome. No, it is, and it it does so many things. Number one, it fundamentally again, you're just coaching, right? Yeah. A football team wouldn't scout. They wouldn't fail to scout the other team. Um, but but to me, like the first thing I'm thinking of when you were telling that story earlier was. Like if I'm a kid sitting there, I'm like, oh my gosh, my coach knows everything. Yeah. My coach knows everything. My coach cares. And uh, I just, I, I like it even more. And I think, I don't know that this can be measured too easily. If you do 10 of those things extra, your kids don't think about like when they're at the two mile mark, they're not saying, oh, you know, coach Turner cares about me. I'm going to dig down. It's just <laughs> a general feeling. It's always there. That's the difference, right? You're just building this that my, like your kids are going to run hard mm -hmm. because you do things like that. Mm -hmm. I just, I don't know. I, I, I agree. I couldn't agree more. It's, you know, or it's, um, you know, this is something coach Weinheimer and I talk about a lot is just kind of in a different way, like servant leadership. Yeah. Some kid takes his, you know, some boy takes his shirt off in the middle of his temple run. And I just say, here, toss it to me. Mm -hmm. And he'll say, oh, it's sweaty. I'm like, I don't care. Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, I'll take it. You know, and yeah. it's just. It's all those things. I think, I mean, can you imagine if your coach comes over to you and says, Hey, at the two mile mark, there's a hill and it's going to mm -hmm. be tough and you're going to have to bear down. And yeah. you know, those guys, Oh my gosh, my coach yeah. knows everything. He's the yeah. best. And then he's standing there at that two mile mark and they're really like, Oh no, now I got to <laughs> kick it into another gear. I yeah. got to dig deep now. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, this is just fun stuff to talk about because it's stuff that everybody can do. Like you're, you know, yes, it takes a little extra work. Yes. It takes a little extra preparation, but you know, having those tough conversations about buy-in, like we talked about earlier, getting more than your top seven bought in, talking race strategy and being prepared for races that you're going into each Saturday. These are things anybody can do. This doesn't take a degree. This doesn't take an extra course. Uh, Lord knows we, uh, as coaches, take enough of those on nfhs.learn. Hey, maybe they could sponsor the podcast or, or something right. like that. I, I think there's something to think about, too. Um, I got asked this question at the state track meet. Why aren't more people trying to copy what Carmel's doing boys and girls. Right. Um, but on the boys side, they've had multiple times here recently where they've went one, two in the 3,200. Yeah. Why are, and, and the common response that you and I both heard is my kids won't do that or it's too tough or yeah. well, is it, or can you pick the pieces that can work for you and you manipulate it? You know? Yeah. Some brand new kid, the cross country, some girl's not going to come out and run 48 miles. Yeah. But, but that's not what it's all about. 
you know, I mean, he's talking about knowing every boy's name on his team. Yeah. hundred boys. He knows every name. Mm-hmm. And I believe him when he says that. So well, why aren't more people trying to copy, um, any of those programs, right? Like I copy, you know, coach Williams again from Bloomington South. I, we talk a lot and I bother him a lot, <laughs> mm-hmm. but he tells yeah. me anything that I ask, he tells me the real answer to. And, um, you know, just things like viewing it differently. And I know this will be another eye roll from some coaches, but instead of saying like, my kids won't do that, or, um, um, this, this team always gets the, the favoritism from IHSA or whatever. How about trying to say, well, maybe they've got something figured out that we don't yet. Yeah. I wonder if I could learn a couple things from them. I wonder if I can learn something from them. When you first brought up that, that topic, uh, you know, why aren't more people, trying to copy Carmel with all the success they've had. I mean, especially just look at the 3,200 the last few years in track. I mean, they're constantly scoring two kids. Uh, and the thing that keeps popping into my head is because it's easier to have excuses. Yeah. It's easier to say like, whoa, well, because we don't have 5,000 kids or because we don't have, you know, somebody that transfers in that's a state level runner from another state. Yeah, we understand that. Okay. But obviously something is going right and we can all learn something from him. And it's been awesome. You know, I know Colin's made a concerted effort and I don't know him really well, just a couple of conversations with him, but a concerted effort to share with other coaches at the clinic and in other forms, you know, what Carmel does. And, and once again, just back to the lifting up the entire sport, which is the reason you and I are doing this podcast, which is the reason that a lot of coaches share what they do and they don't try to hide stuff or be secretive. It's because it lifts everybody else up. And there's definitely some things to be learned. And you know what? There's there's more than one road to Rome. I think there's a lot of coaches out there doing a really good job in different ways. And not everybody has to do it the same way. And uh, look, uh, the coaching clinic, if you're a coach, is, is definitely a place to start getting involved in conversations with other coaches at meets and just through text message chains and that kind of stuff is a, is a place to start. Heck, that's how you and I started talking back and forth. There's just something to be said for, you know, a passionate coach that's just trying to do the best that they can. They don't have it all figured out, uh, but they really want the best for their athletes and they're going to do what they can to get that done. No, I agree. And, and um, you know, this one really sounds like it's like we're bashing coaches. That's not the intent. The intent is to inspire you. Do something different this week or next week. By, by Wednesday of next week, do one thing different. Mm-hmm. You know, I guarantee you we will. Um, I'm not going to share this whole piece here very quickly, but our team, um, theme this year has something to do with an alum who, who had some health issues and passed away. And, um, I bought 200 ribbons. We give out an award based on some things that the kids do. None of what these ribbons are given out for are getting first place on that day's run. Mm -hmm. None of them. There's not about performance. It's not about that. It's, it could be about effort on a run. But we gave one out yesterday to a kid. The trash cans blew over and there was garbage all over the place. He's picking up garbage because he couldn't do his strides. He's got a little ankle issue. He couldn't do strides. So he's over picking up garbage and throwing it away. There's your servant leadership. There's your servant leadership. And there's what we rewarded. And the whole team sees that. And they they just see a, a bigger reason for being out here than just running fast. And now when they go to the line, <laughs> these kids beside them mean something more than just did I get 12th in a team or 13th on the team? Yeah. This is my friend. And when my friend passes me, I'm going to run my butt off to try to stay with him. Yeah. And you know what? It's probably harder for the 13th and 14th kid to stay bought in on your team because you're right. They're they're not receiving the very little recognition that cross country runners get in general. (laughs) They're not even receiving that. Uh, But they're, you know, they're also, 
you know, not battling for a top six or seven spot. They, they're not even displacers. They don't feel like they're in it for a tiebreaker for their team. But when you have those kids bought in, I mean, I, I'll just use an example of some of the meets that we go to where only, you know, and there's not many of these left, but there, there's a couple where they only allow the top seven to run. And, and maybe they don't even offer a, a JV race. Uh, if our JV runners or our team, our kids outside the top seven or 10 come and, uh, you know, the, in the past they've like, you know, body painted and they're screaming their heads off, supporting their teammates. I know that our team is heading in the right direction because yep. I know I have buy-in from more than just, you know, the top three or five kids. I got buy-in from, from everybody. And as a coach, there's, there's nothing better than that. Yeah. And, um, again, <laughs> they used to, we used to call them little things. I don't think there are little things anymore. There's just <laughs> things that take less attention maybe, but, but they're equally as important. And, you know, as a coach, I mean, how many of those can you do? You could do a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I, you know, I don't want to, what we do here may not work for you, but by gosh, it really doesn't matter what school you're at. You can do some of those things. Well, coach running down uh, to the last couple minutes here. Uh, what, what are you excited about here early in the season uh, for you guys? Just excited to get to racing. You excited to kind of see the kids training paying off. What are you excited about? Yeah, we got our first um, really challenging workout tonight, I think. So uh, of, of, you know, the official season. Yeah. So I'm, I'm focused on that. Um, you know, the kids are at home. I hope they're eating normal. I hope they're drinking <laughs> normal. I hope they woke up before two. Uh, I love this. This is total like coach <laughs> saluter at the podium speak. You know, we're just focused on one day at a time. We're not looking past today. We got a big workout that we got to have full attention <laughs> for today. I hope we're, we're going to eat right. We're going to do the little things. Yep. This sounds like you at the ESPN postgame conference. <laughs> it's great. But that's what I want. I want some kid coming over with a huge smile and saying, I just went through in this split, you know, <laughs> so yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, it cannot wait until we're all back out on uh, courses around the state of Indiana soon. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll cross paths with lots of other coaches and just get to continue to share these. Yeah. These Under ideas. 90 days to the state meet. I know. I know. I've seen that out there a few times. I know you mentioned it last podcast. It's crazy to think that, but uh, it it is here. Official yep. season is finally here and meets are coming soon. So, hey, good luck to you and the uh, Bulldogs coach as we get started. I'm sure we'll we'll be talking again soon. Yeah, you guys too. Good luck to Green. All right. Hey, <laughs> talk to you later, Coach. All right, thanks. All right, we'd like to thank everybody for listening this time around. Uh, a few reminders, please reach out to us with any ideas uh, that you may want to discuss at talkindistancepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, I'd like to thank The Dip, which is a fantastic band out of Seattle, Washington, that provided our intro and outro music. Please check them out. And as always, we want to thank the athletes, coaches, and supporters that make Indiana distance running the absolute best.